welcome to another episode of Canton Bound, sorta, sorta. As always, I'm Austin. No Colin, if you've been listening along for the past few weeks here on the podcast, Colin is getting married this weekend, and we do wish Colin the very best here as he gets married this weekend, uh, and, and obviously moving forward with everything. We're very, very happy for him. But as I am wont to do when Colin is gone, I refuse to actually talk about the NFL. So I'm not going to do that. What I actually have for you here this week on Canton Bound is a great interview with somebody who is new to the Debbie game, but not new to college football at all, actually. You know him as CFF Guys on Twitter, Josh Chevalier, and he's gotten into Debbie. So we're going to talk about his Debbie rankings here that he just released over at Fantasy Points. So you can go ahead and find all of his work over there. Make sure you give him a follow at CFF Guys on Twitter. Before we kick off the episode, guys, I do just want to do a little bit of the housekeeping with you. The guides are still available over at the website. Go ahead and check those out. Uh, Debbie Guide out about two and a half weeks at this point. This freshman supplemental guide. I know we have a lot of those drafts going on right now. I'm in several right now myself. So go ahead, uh, get go ahead and get those guides. You might get it with your membership. So go ahead and double check that if you're a yearly member. Uh, chances are you get one of these things. Um, and then just a re- reminder to our NIL members, all NIL members, monthly, yearly, doesn't matter. You get with your membership a one-on-one meeting with at least one of us, and usually it's a couple of us, where we go over any of the rosters you want to talk about, whether that's C2C, CFF, Debbie, Dynasty, Redraft, although we're probably less helpful on that end. Um, and we'll just sit down and talk with you about football. And if you don't want to talk about your roster, you want to talk about some betting for the year, some 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 team futures, or you just want to chat with us and get to know us a little bit, we can do that with you as well. You can sign up to do that in our Discord. Uh, you can find the link to the Discord if you are not in there on the Campus to Canton webpage in the membership tab. Uh, there is a link. Go ahead. And there is a sign-up sheet in the Discord pinned in there so that you can go ahead. We'll reach out to you and get you set up with a date. Without further ado, though, guys, this episode is all Josh. So let's hop right into this interview that I did with CFF guys, Josh Chevalier. I forgot to ask you, so I'm already going to have to edit this. Uh, is it... Che- is it Chevalier? Is that how you say your last name? It's it's Chevalier. But you can I never know if it's Chevy. the fancy way or the non-fancy way. So okay, this is good. <laughs> this is good. So Chevalier. There you go. Okay, you got Josh it. Chevalier. Okay. Okay. I, I meant to ask you, and I was like, oh, crap. Okay. Perfect. Oh, it's all good, man. All right, here we go. All right. I am joined by Josh Chevalier. You might know him as at cff guys on twitter he just released his new debbie rankings over at fantasypoints.com and that's why i've got him on here josh how's it going man how um i mean you're a busy guy now you're doing cff you're doing debbie you're just a a man of all trades here yeah man it's uh it's going well i feel like you know i'm doing like five drafts right now which is probably nothing for you but for me it's like man that's a lot going on at one time so i feel like my head is spinning in all these different areas and so We'll see how tonight goes. I might just start talking CFF on accident. So you'll have to bear with me a little bit. Well, you know, luckily this is the C2C pod, so we can get away with pretty much any any uh, approach on here and you, and you won't be wrong. So 
awesome. that that's perfect. So I I mean the reason that we're we're bringing you on here is because you just released these Devi rankings. I mean your name is CFF guys. That CFF <laughs> is what you've done. So what made you approach the Devi format and and go ahead and create public rankings like this that are extremely extensive? Yeah, I mean I think the short answer is that my employer asked me to. So, so there you go. Answer is any. Yeah, there's one answer, but I, th- I think the more interesting answer is that maybe this was kind of my inevitable end with college fantasy stuff. And so, you know, I got back into college fantasy football in like 2012 playing with a buddy of mine and we played with only like 30 teams. But my first venture into like all, you know, all FBS was actually a CFF Dynasty League with a couple old heads like Andrew Katz and, um, if you know, who that is a Chris K with you guys. Yeah. Um, and you know, back then, you know, you know, Dynasty is like what I what I really got into originally, CFF. So, you know, I've been scouting players for a long time, and those guys were so much better than me and had so much more knowledge. So I knew that if I was going to ever have a chance against them, I was going to have to grind on some film. So <laughs> I just started watching a ton of players back then, which would watch about 300 players a year for the last, you know, six or seven years um, until I had four kids and, and time got a little bit more limited. Um, but you know, so that was my, my background was doing that. And then when you guys came on the scene, when did campus can't even start? I was thinking about that. Was it, was it 2020, 2019, 2021? It was was March of 2021 is when we officially launched. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. As, as we got some COVID shots, you guys, you guys launched. Basically we were the fallout of being, being way everyone being way too bored for eight months and, and that's how c2c was born yes yes the short story that's amazing that's amazing so when you guys hopped on the scene man like one i was like this this sounds awesome and it's like something that i wanted to jump into but i also saw the traction that you guys were getting and i just kind of looked at college fantasy in general i was like man if i ever want to have a career which i don't know if i do but if i ever want to have a full-time career in this i'm gonna have to kind of move away from just college fantasy specific to doing more debbie or stuff that's at least nfl adjacent sure (laughs) um and so that's really part of it is that i just started and so i started doing some c2c's and didn't know what i was doing but i started learning from some really good guys in the industry and um you know just started to like really try to think through my process a little bit better. Got some good tips from Kyle Francis and um, a guy named Jason Stein, who's with football guys now. Um, And some other guys really helped me along the way and helped me really kind of refine my process. And that really led to where we are today, where like when I jumped into these rankings, I'd already been doing this on my own. I just hadn't been publishing anything and really thinking through this um, critically for, you know, a few years now. So you finally, you know, you had them in your head. You kind of put them to, to paper. Um, did you find that your CFF knowledge essentially drove your rankings, especially compared to looking at other sets of rankings? Like, do you think that has kind of differentiated your process a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I'm not sure if CFF is a helpful thing for me or unhelpful, right? Because I watch so much football. Yeah. Um, because of CFF and I have for a long time. So um, I have a lot of history there, like most of us do. Right. Um, and so I think there's at times that that can definitely hurt me um, because I look at it. What I've learned is that, you know, 
doing Debbie stuff versus doing CFF is like driving a stick versus driving an automatic, right? Or cruise control in some ways. Of like, it's just two really different things. And I find myself in drafts, like CFF drafts, I'm going to go like, okay, I got to get out of the Debbie world and get back into CFF because it's, you know, Jarquez Hunter, who I have in my top 10 running backs, is not a guy that's going to go super high, right, in CFF stuff. And so, you know, I find it to be a little bit tough, to be honest, um, and something that I think I'm still working through um, on how how to best put some of the CFF stuff to use. Um, but honestly, man, I just, I've tried to learn a lot from you guys and, um, some of the other sites out there as well and go, okay, what do they see? And, um, and then try to reverse engineer it and then just use some thresholds too. That kind of helped me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're one of the few guys that's kind of done that journey as opposed to the opposite. So I, I, I've really been, been interested in what you, your, your rankings look like. So let's, let's jump into them here. Um, you, know, you were gracious yeah. enough to send me the the whole list, and like I said, I mean it's it's extensive. You've got uh, you know 120 quarter, or 100 quarterbacks, like 120 something running backs. I mean it's it, yeah. it's a hefty list here. We can't go through obviously all of the names, but I, I do kind of want to just walk through where uh, maybe some specific instances you have some guys. Let's, we can just start with the quarterbacks. That seems like yeah. a, a natural spot here. Um, Jordan Travis is a guy that I think at least on Twitter has kind of been getting a little bit of buzz this off season. Yeah. And then I've been like, we, we just wrote our Debbie guide. I actually, I, I bought the Debbie watch here and they're low on Travis, but I think you're the lowest of everybody with him at your uh, QB 30 overall. You know, what, yeah. what, um, for some, for those folks that really like him, I mean, what, what are kind of the red flags here? Some of the things that that are pushing him a little further down for you. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. When I did my top two, top 10 QB Debbie thread, like that was one of the two guys, Michael Penix and Jordan Travis that weren't on the list that I got so much feedback from FSU fans and Washington fans on. And so it's also definitely... two, two very active Twitter fan bases too. So yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that whole Twitter thing got way out of control for me. I'm like, man, this is, this has gone outside of Debbie rankings, but I digress. And so, you know, I watched Jordan Travis for a long time. Partially I'm a Miami hurricane fan. So maybe that plays into some of it. Oh, I mean, he's an FSU guy. Okay. So can't have him too high, but you know, I also remember <laughs> when he had to leave Louisville cause he was getting passed up by Malik Cunningham or wasn't gonna be able to beat him out. Um, and now Malik Cunningham's potentially changing positions in the NFL. And then, you know, he gets to Florida state and, you know, Mike Norvell sees enough of them that he brings in Mackenzie Milton, who essentially has one leg at this point um, when he gets to FSU. And, and I remember when the FSU fan base was like clamoring him for him to like change positions to running back. He's just so bad as a passer. Now he's improved, like certainly, but he's now what, 23 years old. Um, and, you know, he was 22 last year. And so, okay, if you're in your fifth season of college football, you should be dominating like pretty weak competition in the ACC. And then he's got Mike Norvell as his offensive coordinator. And, you know, his numbers last year, which I think were 3,200 yards passing or something and 25 touchdowns um, and 500 yards rushing. I mean, those are pretty like average numbers for, and I would say below average passing numbers for a Mike Norvell offense. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, but Mike Norvell is a genius 
in my opinion, as an OC and has been producing top level, you know, CFF quarterbacks for the last 10 years. And so um, and his honestly, his worst years were with Jordan Travis in the last couple of years. Now, again, there's context to that that we don't need to get into. But so, I mean, for Jordan Travis to come in last year and have a, a good season, but really an average Mike Norvell season doesn't impress me a ton. And, um, and, you know, I think he just struggles, like, reading the field. I think some of his passes, like, even when he makes the right pass or it's a touchdown, it's like, man, it's a, it's a little bit off. It's like that pass is just not going to fly in the NFL. And I think what's happening with Jordan Travis, um, like, I'll comp him a little bit to Malik Willis. I think that we, we see these traits of quarterbacks in the NFL and we go, hey, he's mobile and he's got a decent arm. The NFL is going to take a shot on him. And I just don't know if that's the case with, you know, Jordan Travis is six foot one, you know, 215 pounds. I don't know if the NFL is going to take a shot on him. Now, my Compton would be like a Malik Willis. And we've kind of seen how that's played out in the NFL a little bit. So that's just some of the stuff for me, man, with him. Like, I love his playmaking ability. I do love him as a runner. Um, but I just struggle to see him being able to um, really learn how to process enough and read defenses enough to go to NFL and have a ton of success. You brought up Sorry, I don't mean to trash on the guy. <laughs> no, I mean, that's – I'm I, I'm a little higher. He's my QB 21, but I, I think I have some of the same reservations uh, that you do overall. You you brought up some, some really interesting points just about, like, the QB position as a whole that I want to kind of follow up with you on. You mentioned that he's older. Um, I, I, I saw today they're on three tweeted a thing where they said, you know, these are some of the top quarterbacks in the class. Like this upcoming year is, is a very old QB class overall. Yeah. And your, your rankings tend to disfavor a lot of those older guys. Um, yeah. is that you're paying attention to age or is it just like a, one of those things where like we we've seen four years at Bo Nix, like I've, I've seen four years at Jaden Daniels. Like I don't need a fifth year to, to figure out that the, the growth probably ain't going to be there. Yeah, I do think I do discount age a little bit. And I think some of that is because the NFL has seemed to discount it a little bit. Um, I think when you look at older prospects, um, you know, nobody's as old as Brandon Whedon back in the day uh, when he was like 28. But I just think some of these older guys, they tend to go, I think, a little bit later. Like even Hendon Hooker, who was getting a lot of buzz, right? And again, he had other things going on, like injuries, but you know, he's what, 24 or maybe even almost turning 25 going in. And he went in the late second, early third. I can't remember exactly where he went. Uh, but, yeah, I think he was a know, third round guy. Yeah. 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 And so I, I just like, I think he's another one that would be in that traitsy category. Um, and I think if I'm going to traits, I would, I want to go more Michael Penix, um, even though he's older as well. Just because I see, I mean, he's got a rocket arm um, and has done really well in Caleb's system. But you know, yeah, I, I do downgrade some of those guys. And Sam Hartman's another one. But again, and some of it, again, like I remember when he was a freshman in college and didn't know how to get down and would just take these massive hits and had some injury issues, which is why he didn't take off till later in his career, um, even though he beat out Jamie Newman originally. So some of it is just I've seen so much of it that I'm just like, man, I'm not sure um, how the NFL is going to really look at these guys. You also have mentioned mobility a, a couple times now here, and it obviously the NFL, if they can find it, they, they like it. Um, 
your rankings, I mean, I, they, they sort of reflect that, but you do still have some traditional pocket passers uh, up higher. Do you, does a does does that concern you for some of these guys that you have high? I mean, and quarterback projections always such a crapshoot. Like, let's let's just get that out of the way here first. But yeah, you know, totally. you've got guys like you know Ewers up there, who's probably not that mobile. Malachi Nelson, who I mean, I also love, not that mobile. Um, even a guy like Nico at, at Tennessee, like in in, college, in high school, he really did not run very much. Like what? Right. So like, how are you balancing kind of those, those, you know, toolsy question mark guys versus the, you know, maybe you feel better about them as a passer today kind of guys. Yeah, I guess some of it is like whether they're a statue or not. Right. And I think Quinn can move around enough. Malachi is more, more mobile. I think Nico has even more kind of functional athleticism, if you want to call it that. Sure. Um, than those guys. Um, but then you look at a guy like Kyle McCord and I go, I put out my rankings and I'm like, you know, now that I'm thinking about this a little bit more, or maybe I saw more of the spring game and I'm like, uh Oh, like that, like he's more of a stat. He's not enough of a good enough passer in my opinion. Like he's a guy that's probably going to go down my ranks if he doesn't just start like killing it at Ohio state, because he is a statue. Um, so I think some of it is like, can they move well enough in the pocket? Like I think of like a, a Baker Mayfield who like knew how to maneuver the, maneuver the pocket really well. Um, like I think about those guys, I'm like, okay, they can get away with it a little bit more, but I do think those guys carry, carry more inherent risk um, than, you know, a Caleb Williams, if you will, where it's like, you can figure out how they're going to, you know, Anthony Richardson, right? He completed 53% of his passes and they're going to build an offense around him and probably make him a pretty decent QB in the NFL, I'm sure. Um, so I do think that that's a concern, but I get, if they have some functional athleticism, like even Arch Manning, I think has a, he can move around a little bit more than a Kyle McCord. So I just have this kind of scales, if you will. And some of those guys, while they're not blazers, like they can move around enough, um, you know, to extend plays. Last one I want to ask you on the QBs here. Um, Cade Klubnik, you have him as your QB four. <laughs> which I think is yeah. a little higher than you tend to see him on these lists. Yeah. I know some people point to, you know, the size. He, he is a, a, a smaller, skinnier guy, not unlike Bryce Young, yeah. who just went, you know, first overall. So probably yeah. assuages that concern for a few people. Um, you know, the arm isn't like the most amazing thing either. Um, but I mean, a highly rated guy, elite 11 champ, all those kinds of things. So how, how, how did your eval kind of factor in all, all these things with him to, to get him there at QB4? Yeah. Man, some of it is that he's just a guy, like a hill that I'm going to die on. Um, and I think some of that is I think he's such an, an anticipatory thrower that I, – and I think he's so accurate. Like, even the balls that don't hit – like, he's throwing, like, way off balance on a lot of stuff, and he's running around, and, and some of that's his pocket presence. But I, I think, like, some of those passes are just so on the money. Um, and I think he makes up for his – lack of like huge arm by being able to anticipate routes. And I've just watched him do it on multiple levels, um, you know, including, you know, I think the, uh, the army all American game or just some of the throws that he's making are just, and they're just so pinpoint accurate. Like I just haven't seen many QBs with like quite his accuracy, even if not all those balls hit. And I think some of that man, I 
uh, the thing I worry about with him is that that Clemson offensive line is really bad. Like, I think DJU is not great, but I think some of that was that he's running for his life. And I think Cade Klubnik was the same way. Anytime they face a good defense, like, he's going to have to run for his life. And I don't know – I don't know what to do with that, but I see traits in him. Like, he's mobile enough. Like, he's going to get up to – I think he's probably going to be up to 208, like, by the start of the season this year. And I think he'll be able to get up to 215 by the time he hits the draft. Um, And, yeah, I just think he has some of that stuff that will be able to make up for – you know, some of the lack of arm strength. Although I don't think his arm is like terrible. Like I think he's got a good enough arm in my opinion. We, we've seen, I mean, Joe Burrow, I don't, I wouldn't say has a you know yeah. great arm and, and he's made it work certainly in the NFL. So yeah, I mean, you, I, I think there are definitely examples out there of guys that, that have made it w- without that bazooka strapped to their, their shoulder. Uh, and he is, he's a tough guy. They ran him like they were running DJU last year when they'd put him in there and he'd get popped. I forget which game he came in and he got lit up three or four times and just got back up. And I was like, yeah, that's he, he's going to have to learn him, how to slide. Yeah, he, <laughs> he does. So, I mean, Arch does too. A bunch of these guys do. I have, I have no idea how to slide. So hopefully, hopefully a bunch of them figure it out here. Um, let's pivot, pivot over to your running backs. And this is one of the questions I was most looking forward to, to asking you. Yeah, I finally was guilted out of Travion Henderson RB one recently. Uh, discussing <laughs> with some of our, our our members in the Discord, and it made some very valid points. And I finally said, "Fine." And I, I bumped Singleton. Yeah, but I still I still am a believer, even with some of the naysayers out there who have very solid arguments. So sell me yeah. back into Travion Henderson RB one here. Well, what what are some of their what are some of their their feedback on Travion Henderson and why he's not RB one? I'm curious. Yes. So I don't know how – are you familiar with Noah Hills and his work? He, yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a lot of that team-adjusted type stuff, and he does not perform okay. really well compared to I mean, when you're looking at Mayan Williams and, and Dallin Hayden when he was in there and, you know, Xavier yeah. Johnson when they were giving him touches. I mean, he, he didn't perform necessarily, like, particularly yeah. well um, with that. And then I think just the, the injuries are, are, are starting to add up a little bit, which I think is concerning for yeah. some people. It hasn't been, like, now super, it's... super efficient. Uh, when he has been healthy. So I think those are kind of the mm-hmm. the downsides. But, I mean, I, I'll let you take it away with what's great about him. But, I mean, the, the three-down skill set certainly there. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's like a tale of two years, right? Like, you take his freshman year, and if you repeated that, like, we're or not having any of this conversation. Or flipped him yeah, and had the bad year him. first and the big year second. Yeah. I mean, you look at Trevion Henderson and the explosiveness that he showed, his freshman year and his efficiency, right? To have 184 carries, 1,255 yards, and average 6.8 yards per carry, which I don't know if you remember, like back in the day, Bill Connolly had all those advanced stats that are out there for everybody to see. And he had the opportunity rate and he had um, highlight yards per opportunity. And, um, and there's kind of like this mixture that would come together of explosiveness and efficiency that was – like 6.8 yards per carry was just this, like every running back that was like at least 40% of their carries went for five yards. And, um, and then also had 10 yards per highlight yard opportunity, which is, you know, anything past, you know, whatever, a certain number of yards. So just kind of measuring explosiveness and efficiency and Trevion Henderson kind of has that, like both of those, at least his freshman year. Um, and I think he's just, like his 5'10", 214, right? His skill set is 
again, like we had his, yeah, except he's 15 pounds heavier. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't like his ceiling is just so far above and I could go down every other like top 10 back and I can pick out like pretty significant flaws in their game and create a compelling case of like why, why they're going to bust in the NFL. Um, and I can't do that with Trevon Henderson other than two things. And these things scare me <laughs> and they're the injury history. Mm-hmm. And, and then his freshman year, it was his toughness. Now that guy would run so hard, but then he would like tap out like pretty often. And then he would not come back in a game. Like, I don't know if you remember that from his freshman year, but like he would get, you know, 15 carries, 80 yards. He would tap himself out and be, you know, have something with his knee or something. And then he just went and played the rest of the game. And I think there's a level like some guys like Anthony Davis in the NBA is like, like this. They just can't play through smaller injuries and they really affect them. And I, I wonder with Trevon Henderson whether that's the case. And I think that takes us into, in, into 2022 where he had that broken bone in his foot starting with the Toledo game. And I think that's part of why we didn't see the efficiency and some of the explosion. But even like there's a, there's a highlight in the Arkansas State game where he's got this breakaway he's like the three his own three yard line has a breakaway run and gets caught by like a a linebacker from Arkansas State and he's got this wrap on his calf that he doesn't have in the Notre Dame game and I'm like did something happen like did he pull a calf muscle against Notre Dame but it's like he clearly doesn't like at least on that long run he didn't have the same explosiveness and I, I think like I get it like I get why anybody would be like Injury history, whatever, toughness, like uh, those are my complaints his first year when people were starting to put him above Bijan. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I couldn't I couldn't get with that one. I, ha- I had some big arguments with, with folks about you can't, you can't. I don't think you yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we've overcorrected and gone like, hey, he had a broken bone in his foot and then he had a knee injury that caused him to be carted off the field. And then he had surgery and all that. And that's like he's still Trevion Henderson again. Like, so you're going to put Nick Singleton over him? who, look, man, the guy's incredible, but he came out of a triple option offense in high school. And I think, like, Catron Allen is a better running back to me right now than Nick Singleton as far as, like, just pure running ability. But Nick Singleton's so big and so fast and so explosive that that ultimately wins out. It gives so much wiggle room. I mean, Saquon Barkley is not, like, the best runner in the NFL, and it just really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a fascinating discussion between players like that, yeah. Yeah, but like, but as far as like just running back skill, right? And I think Trevion Henderson, like, I think he's a really good running back, and he's extremely fast. And I would still put him over Nick Singleton at this point. Although I do really love Nick Singleton, and he's awesome. And he's your RB so, too. Sorry, so, that was, yeah, yeah I mean, that was a long-winded yeah. answer, but no, a, but yeah. a, a great answer. Um, I like your your freshman or your running back rankings because the freshman in particular we at C2C are really known as very aggressive with our freshman ranking. And I feel yeah. like you, you are fairly aggressive with your freshman here. I mean, you've got, uh, you posted your top 10 on Twitter. I don't want to get spoil or give away too many of your rankings here, but just where some of you have oh, the freshman. Do whatever here. you want, man. Uh, Baxter, Cedric Baxter at five. You've got justice Haynes at seven. Um, Ruben Owens at 13, Roderick Robinson at 14. Um, I, I mean, you've got some of these guys sitting at uh, Richard Young at 23. You, you've got some guys fairly highly ranked here. Um, I, I mean, I like it. Uh, why are you uh, seem like particularly aggressive with the, the freshman running backs here? Like just 
good class or, or, or what here? Yeah. I mean, I think some of this goes back to what we saw before, right? Like the devil, you know, is sometimes better than the devil you don't. And this is the opposite of that, right? Like, I do think there's something about potential. I think there's some things that we just know with running backs that are already around that, you know, you start to go, okay, well, you know, I don't think they're going to be as good as we maybe thought they were going to be. Um, and so I like, to, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think I, I, I like this running back class, I mean, I think Baxter and Haynes, like Haynes in particular, <laughs> like, you know, I have Baxter rated higher, but like, same. The train Haynes has left the station with Haynes. It it has. Whole, yeah. Like, and and I went to the um the the our Army All American game and sat on the second row and watched Haynes in person. And watching players in person is just different, you know. I mean, obviously you know, but it's like to watch that guy in person and to see his build, like see you know just how thick his legs are and like he's just got such a massive frame, um, and just to just to see what his skill set can be. And the fact that he's already carving stuff out as a true freshman, you're like, yeah, this guy's gonna, I think he's a more sure thing than Cedric Baxter, in my opinion, um, even though I have Cedric Baxter higher. Um, and then, I, yeah, I mean, I think some of the guys, like Roger Robinson, I do, I do like him a lot. Ruben Owens, I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, and so I think some of the, some of his traits, I'm like, man, I'm not sure how this is going to translate, but he's got, he can't beat out, those other guys in the in and backfield this year, then I'm, I'm going to be a bit concerned, but, but yeah, I like this, this class for sure. Do you have a favorite sleeper amongst the running backs right now? Mm, that's a good question. So I got two guys that I really like. And one of them is a freshman, of course. Okay. Um, but I, Quentin Joyner is like super interesting to me. I'm getting more and more interested, especially after the spring game. Yeah. I, in, you know, to be honest, Austin, like, okay, little context. I'm from Austin, Texas. So he's from Maynard, which is about 20 minutes outside of Austin, um, or at least where I'm from in Austin. And I know the competition he went against in high school, and it's not great. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, and so watching his film, I'm like, you know, this guy doesn't, like, overly imp- – other than him getting a USC offer, I'm like, what is this guy? But one of the things I really value in my evaluation of freshmen is how they do in all in all American games. And maybe that's fair or not. But like when they're put up against other good competition, how how do they do? And I thought he played really well. Like he had a couple he had a long um, catch in the all American game. Um, that was really impressive to me. And I thought he ran pretty well. And then that USC spring game. Um, was another one where I'm like, man, he's faster than I thought he was. Like, uh, like his verified times are fast, but then in high school, I don't know. Like maybe he just wasn't running full speed. I have no idea, but um, he looks fast, like in that spring game and in the all American game. And I was shocked by that. And so a guy that's five eleven, I think he's already 200 pounds. I mean, that intrigues me with that type of speed and ability to catch the ball that he showed in the all American game. They couldn't tackle him in that spring game, but it's also USC, so that's uh, you know that's that's a tough one to figure out. <laughs> that, that that got Tajay Spears uh, quite the hype in the offseason for sure. <laughs> it did. It probably bought him bought him a few extra picks there. He should send them uh, some flowers or, or something. Yeah, over to to, yeah. to Grinch and the the defensive group there. 
Um, yeah, he yeah. he was like my RB fifteen in the class, and now he's been he's been steadily rising for me. I, I agree. He's he's a very intriguing player overall. Two guys, yeah. real quick, in your top one hundred and fifty that surprised me a little bit with where they are, and I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on them. Uh, Darius Taylor, who's going to uh, Minnesota, yeah. um, and then Demond Claiborne, who's at Wake Forest, and Claiborne was in last year's class, a little bit of a, a smaller guy overall. I mean, two two yep. fairly different players. T- Taylor probably does have bell cow size. He's not huge, but he's not small either. I mean, it, you have him at forty one and Claiborne at forty uh, yep. overall on your running back. So what what about these two guys? Has you uh, have them in that grouping uh, where I, I haven't? I don't think I've seen them that high anywhere. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll start with Claiborne because it's a little bit shorter. Um, one, I was completely out on them last year because he came in at five ten one eighty. And he ran a 10, 6, 700 meter, right? And, you know, national, you know, the threshold is 10, 8 as far as speed goes, right? And um, so 10, 6, 7 catches your attention. But 180, I'm like, you know, what is, what is this guy going to do? And Wes was on him, like, quite a bit. One of my old coworkers, Wes Huber. And I was just like, dog, like, I don't, I don't mess with running backs that are under 190 coming into college. So I'm out. But... He showed up this this year in spring ball. Like whenever new rosters come out for the spring and new weights, it's like it's like Christmas um, to see what they weigh. And he was at two hundred pounds. What I admit, he is. I did not know. Yes, that. yes. Ooh. And and hmm. I'm like, okay, five ten, two hundred. And then like he had a couple. You know, he didn't have much run last year, but he had a couple plays. And I'm not going to cuss on your podcast, but I literally like verbally, like I'm sitting by myself and I'm watching these plays and just the burst through the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, man, that looks like another old Wake Forest running back that I remember mm. uh, named Kenneth Walker. Mm. And, and so, and, and, and then also, you know, I basically spend my days on 247's website and it's just scouring, you know, message boards. And so you just kind of figure out the beat writers that have a pulse um, and also have availability to practices. And, you know, a little tip on Wake Forest, Les Johns from 247 gets full access to every practice. And he writes down every single play that happens in practice. Um, and so, like, he's one that's like, hey, I'm telling you guys, like, man, um, you know, Ellison, just, Justice Ellison, I think, mm-hmm. the, he, he'll be the starter. But Demon Claiborne is the best running back on this team. And he would say, he, you know, he would kind of, you know, in his practice reports, like, yeah, 50-yard run by Claiborne, 30-yard run by Claiborne. And then he would kind of write this stuff and be like, hey, this guy's impressive. Now, I don't know, like, the big thing is he's at Wake Forest. And, you know, you just, Walker had to get out of Wake Forest in order to really display his skill. Um, but, a guy that's 200 pounds and runs a 10.67 and has burst through the line, it's at least intriguing enough to me as far as from traits perspective um, as a true sophomore um, that I'm intrigued by that. So, sorry, that was longer than I was No, six, good answer. And by, by the way, this is a it's a PG-13 show. We get one F-bomb. So whenever you want to drop that, you can. That's fine. So Okay, yeah, go sweet, right sweet. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, and then, you know, Darius Taylor. Um, okay. So Darius Taylor, I like this film when I watched it, but one of the things that I factor into my freshman evaluation and watching high school film is one, 
if they got like that one and a half speed, you know what I'm talking about? Where like yeah. the huddle film is at one and a half. Yep. <laughs> I almost immediately stopped watching because I'm like, this guy's got to be slow if they have to speed it up in order to do it. Um, and I'm going to call out any, any freshman that had that, but um, he doesn't. So that's good. But the other thing that I look for is the high school competition that they're playing against. And Darius Taylor's from Michigan. So his high school film looks awesome, right? 268 carries, 2,400 yards, right? So he hits kind of this um, – he's at nine, you know, point something yards per carry. And like 10 yards per carry is kind of that threshold that you look for that's going to have success at like, like high level success at the college level. So he's almost got that at a pretty high volume. Um, and, um, and so because I couldn't really tell from this film, whether the, the competition was great. Um, like I relied on Ryan Burns from two, four, seven, who just is like, he's got a good pulse on Minnesota's team. He's got good connections. And he's like, this is the star recruit of the class. And then I want to read you a couple of quotes from PJ Fleck okay, um, about, about what he says. Now, okay, caveat, we know PJ Fleck is a hype man. So, but I do think that these are interesting quotes nonetheless. He said, I think uh, he's one of our prized recruits in this class because of how heavily recruited he was. Michigan came in at the last minute and tried to steal him. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, Alan True, we actually talked with him a little bit about Taylor and he was a guy that you know yeah he, he got offers late because it was such a bad class, running back class overall and yeah he, he, he was a fan as well yeah yeah and I think Mike Hart like you know he can identify running backs yeah um and so I, I take that into consideration and then here, here's another thing that he says he says he's an you know dynamic player catching the ball and running the ball just an absolute stud you know he's a slot receiver until he came became a running back as a junior Okay, that checks off some boxes. And then here's this last one. And this is where maybe Flex is hyping him. But he says, I think he can handle 30 to 39 carries a game. <laughs> he had three six touchdown games this season. Every week it looked like we were watching a video game. And I mean, he set a single game record with 438 yards rushing. Um, and he goes, and then he ends it with this. And this, again, this is like overhyped, but here it is. So maybe Mo's records might be broken by the guy that he helped recruit to bring in here. And I know Mo would love that. He's also a wrestler and competes in track. I was a wrestler too. I know that, that wrestlers overall have really good contact balance. And I think that shows up on film. And so the real big question mark is like, okay, does this guy have enough speed to break away? But I think everything else in his game, even watch the Minnesota spring game, I think it's good enough to translate. I mean, ultimately we'll see um, – because, you know, if he was a guaranteed thing, I would have, you know, I would have put him in the 15. I, as we can tell, 41 is a stretch. So, um, but I think he's got enough there of checking boxes from people that I think know scouting better than I do and can tell more than I can from my limited huddle watching of Michigan players, um, you know, players from the state of Michigan. Um, so those are some of the things that for me have me really intrigued with Darius Taylor enough to, to put him up in that range. How do you feel about him versus Zach Evans, who's already there? The other Zach Evans, not not the one that just mm -hmm. won the NFL draft. The one that you know they brought in Samson Evans. So yeah, figure he or Samson. Yeah, Sam. No, yeah, Samson Evans, right? That's the last name. My, Zach, my Zach Evans. Samson Evans from Eastern Michigan. Oh, you're yeah. talking about uh... it, that is his last name, though, right? Samson Evans. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. That's correct. They, they did bring him you're in, right? About Sean Tyler. 
Sean Tyler. Yes. From- okay. Sean Tyler is the one they brought in. Thank you. I'm just, thank you. So they have Sean Tyler there. They have Zach Evans. Taylor, I mean, you think more highly of him than those two backs, even though I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to you know, start week one or anything like that. But you, you think potential's there? Yeah. I don't, I mean, Sean Tyler, I think, is the guy this year. I mean, look, the guy's 180 pounds, and I've already shared what I feel about 180 pound running backs. Um, so I think he's 15 carries a game, right? And I think then you're really talking about can he beat out Zach Evans? And I, and I just don't know. I mean, obviously, Zach Evans is really good. I don't want to discount him. Um, but I do think that Darius Taylor's a little bit more dynamic than Zach Evans personally. And so I think he could. I mean, you know, I if Zach Evans doesn't um, – I think he could start as RB2 uh, or at least ahead of Taylor. But he better be pretty impressive because I do think Taylor would be – and I, I think Taylor's a little bit more of a sure thing personally. And I, and it's interesting because the first guy – they did a Next Up series um, from Minnesota 247. The first guy that they wrote about in that series was Darius Taylor. And they acknowledged that Zach Evans there and he could be a feature back and he's really good. But, you know, it wasn't Zach Evans they were writing about. It was Darius Taylor. And I, I find that to be intriguing and enough for me that a guy that sees that much stuff and has sources, right, um, there that he's high on him. You know, sometimes I trust those guys a little bit more than just myself because I, I know I don't have all the access that they do. All right. Well, we're going to bump him up the rankings a few spots here. And uh, hopefully my, my draft season starts soon. Hopefully I'm not going to start getting sniped on him. Um, <laughs> wide receivers. Um, again, you released your top 10 and one name just like immediately jumped off the page. To yeah, and that's Ted McMillan, the Arizona uh, second-year guy. There, you have him as your wide receiver three in all of Devi. So I know, I yep. know, I've asked you to explain yourself on a couple of these. <laughs> I really need you to explain yourself on Ted McMillan wide receiver three. Yeah. Okay. So literally, I knew that I was putting all these threads for about a month before I put them out, and this is the one guy that I was like so nervous about putting out there. So I'm just gonna get toasted for this. Did not expect Jordan Travis or Phoenix, but I expected McMillan. I got nothing on him, which I was disappointed on. Because, um, you know, I think there's a little bit, right, like just to be, you know, full cards on the table, right? Like I'm new in this in this space. So there's a level of like, all right, like I have a guy that I really like, um, and I'll talk about why here in a minute because I wasn't high on him coming out in 2022. Same. Um, but um, so I, mean, I think there's a little bit, right, of like, okay, I want to put – my stamp on a guy that I really, really like. So there's enough of like, and like anybody that would tell you in CFF, like I, I like my guys. And so there's a little bit of like, this is one of my guys and I'm going to, you know, I'll fall on that sword and I, I'm willing to be made fun of, and, you know, for the, doing I mean, you're, you're doing this show in front of the Jalong Glover poster. So there's <laughs> obviously no, no fear yeah. here about, uh, uh... <laughs> clearly, yeah. you know, it's always good to have humility right, right behind you. I mean, um, I've got, you know, good old boot cage on booty right here. So, yeah, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> you know, it's good for us to, to be reminded. But he, here's why, okay? Here's why this year, like, I have really fallen in love with Tetsuro McMillan. So, came in at six foot four, one eighty five. He's already now up to six foot five and 205, right? So, he gained an inch and 20 pounds in the last, you know, five months. Um, and then his speed went from, like, I think he was – 
clocked at like 18 miles per hour as a, as a freshman. And they said he's been clocking this off season at 22 miles per hour. Now look, like, I don't think that's accurate. Like there's no way he's actually running 22 miles per hour, but I do think that whatever tracking system they have is probably the same tracking system. So maybe he's running at like 16 and now he's running at 20, but that's a pretty significant jump up. Um, and speed and for me it just shows like man this guy's got some untapped potential and he's already a guy that for me last year if I was just going off of last year's tape I'll go this guy's got some T Higgins to his game right like deep threat who can also like he's dynamic in the red zone as well right like that yeah. guy gotta have at least a 35 inch vertical if not I, I think he's probably closer to 40 with his volleyball background I was, I was gonna say it's, um, it's that volleyball background yeah it, it suits him well yeah and so you know his hands like he's got some of these like you know his highlight film is just crazy um I think the system that he's in Jed Fish comes from the NFL so he's gonna run I think he's gonna end up running more of a full route tree because um Jed Fish is the head coach there. Um, and Brendan Carroll also comes from more of an NFL background. And so I like that. I think he's going to have to run a little bit more. And I think he showed a little bit, little bit of diversity there. And then, you know, just as a early, you know, early production, 39 catches, 702 yards and eight touchdowns. And you're talking about, um, you know, Dorian Singer's gone this year. That's 1,100 yards and 66 catches, 98 targets that that's vacated. Um, and they basically ran the same ratio of, you know, wide snaps to slot snaps. And so if he slides into that role, I just, I just think he's going to have a really big year. And so I'm betting a little, I'm betting a lot on traits, right? A lot on potential, but if there's a guy that I want to do that with in this class, it's him. And, and, and him ranking him as three kind of counts him in that four, four miles per hour increase. Now, if he comes into the season, I, I'm like, it's hard to find Arizona tape. But if I'm able to see, uh, I'm going to be on him really early this year, or at least Arizona games. And I'm just going to try to watch. If he shows that like level of like increased speed, again, not 22 miles per hour because that's that's ridiculous. But if he just shows an increase, then like I'm going to feel pretty good about about that projection. But it is, I wouldn't draft him as my number three. Debbie guy, if that makes that's, sense. That's always part of the equation too, right? You know, where, where can I actually get this guy versus, versus where do I have him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love so, it. yeah, that's that's a little bit of why. Like, I just see a lot of potential in him. And, you know, it, I, another thing I would say is like, and, and again, I don't know if he's as, as athletic as a Quentin Johnston necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, but we just saw that the NFL loves guys that have some size to them. And they're going to take some some shots on him. So they're going to take shots on him. Then a six foot five, two hundred five guy, that's again going to be a T Higgins type potentially. I mean, I, I I think the floor is pretty high on him. I guess I would say that. Well, I'll tell you what, you just convinced me to move him up two spots in my rankings. I had him at wide receiver fifteen. Actually, screw it. I'm gonna move him up three spots. I had him at 15. I'm gonna move him to 12. I bumped. I jumped Matthew Golden, Malik Neighbors, and Brandon Innes. Is that, okay. is that a fair move? I I think that's a good move. And okay. I mean, we could get into those players, but we don't have to. But yeah, I think I like that move. Okay. I I also want to follow up real quick with you on some of your freshmen here as well. We talked about them with yeah. the running backs, and I think after spring, 
here at C2C, we've kind of centered on there being a big three in some comb- uh, some order, Zachariah Branch for uh, USC there, Jonte Cook at Texas, and then Carnell yeah. Tate at, at Ohio yes. State, just with all the buzz about mm-hmm. him. I, you you also have them here as your top three freshmen. So uh, you, you seem to kind of agree with those guys as being the kind of the clear, I don't know, class of the class. Yep. Yep. Uh, how- absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, how, yeah, like, I mean, you're taking them early. I mean, you, you've got them all top yes. 15 here, so top 12. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, Ohio State wide receiver one in a class. Like, you want to have that guy. And I think Carnell Tate, the, the things that you can't see on tape with guys is whether they're a hard worker, right? Yeah. Like, that's hard to see and, like, high character guy. And you just read the stuff on him. And you go, man, he starts checking off those boxes. And he played at IMG. And you know they're playing top-tier competition every week. So what you see on film is, like, good film that's going to translate to the next level. Um, and then, again, to be, what, the fastest freshman to have the black stripe removed from the helmet at Ohio State. Yep. I mean, you just – there's stuff like that. Marvin Harrison was the same way, if you remember that. A couple of years ago, he was the first one yep. um, to have his stripe. So you see stuff like that and you just go, okay, like all these just check boxes for me. Um, so for him – it, you know, I think that makes sense. Shante Cook, I mean, I, I yeah, I wish we had verified speed times on him, but it seems to show up on tape. But everything else is just, like, dynamic. And I'll say that like, it was against a walk-on DB, right? So maybe it's like Marvin Harrison's Micah Bernard DB situation. But when Malik Murphy threw that long touchdown pass that, like, just went viral on Twitter. Yeah, from the, from spring, the game. spring game. Yeah. I didn't think that was not the, – the better pass was the one he threw before to DeAndre uh, – was it Moore? Um, yes. And uh, – but that pass wasn't that great. Like, he underthrows Jonte Cook. And it was only like a 40-yard pass. I mean, Malik Murphy can throw way farther than that. Um, but Cook adjusts to it, like, literally slows down and it just takes off. And I don't care if it's a – you know, it's still a college football player. I was very impressed by that type of like acceleration on that type of play. I walked away more impressed with Jonte Cook than Malik Murphy on that play. Although Malik Murphy's obviously really impressive. So, and then Zachary Branch, I mean, to me, he's the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that we've seen at the college level. Um, and Tyreek Hill just never even really produced at the college level. So I'm excited to see what Zachary Branch can that, that guy is just unreal. And I think his frame is big enough. Right, his shoulders are brought up to add the weight that I'm not too concerned about being him being whatever 170 or whatever he is. Yeah, he's not he's not you know, deathly skinny like some of these uh, small guys that come into school. Like Xavier Worthy, I think we should be all a little concerned about. I mean, yeah. that guy is hyper skinny. He's like 165 and he's a junior. I mean, he's the same weight as a freshman, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, one other guy that I did want to ask you about, uh, Deontay Thornton. Who's at Tennessee? Yes, he yes. is really a conundrum to rank because, uh, full disclosure, I was not a huge fan of him coming out of high school. I'm typically not a huge yeah. fan of like these six four guys that can't really play football. Like you know, I, I just don't yep. always assume that they're going to learn how to do it now. Um, you know, but obviously, just enormous athletic traits flashed a little bit at Oregon, but you know, never really got his got going there. Now he's at Tennessee. It does sound like you know they were running him out of the slot a little bit, and and they kind of like him there. Um, so what are you seeing with Thornton that you have him at your wide receiver 16 and in your top 50 overall in terms of just, you know, in interpositional rankings? 
Yeah. So some of that with him, man, is just is just traits <laughs> and just like you're six foot five and you're two hundred five to to a five. And like he ran like a ten nine hundred meter coming out of high school, but he he's faster than that in K. Oh, he I mean, he's got to be. Yeah. And so I just go, okay, a guy like that, he's gonna have like then if I was gonna give him a shot. So there's some of that. Um, and I don't know why he didn't get on the like. And this is part of where I should probably be defaulting to the coaches, like I usually do, where I go, coaches are smarter than me. If Will Levis can't beat out Sean Clifford then he shouldn't be a first round pick in the NFL draft. Um, but, and so, but for Dante Thornton, for the life of me, like when he got on the field, like he seemed to produce or when he was targeted. Um, so I don't know, but like the stuff that they're saying about him at Tennessee is pretty like eye opening as far as just like, they're comparing him to Jalen Hyatt. They're saying the things we did with him, the versatility that he had. Now I will say like, um, I could see Dante Thornton getting drafted very high. Like, I don't think Tennessee sets wide receivers up well to like yeah. play well in the NFL, but I do think he'll get draft capital if if he has the type of season that I think we we all think he can. Because um, he's, I'm not like he's a redshirt sophomore, right? This is his third year. This is his third year, so technically he's eligible next year if if he wants to go. Yeah, I I sure hope he doesn't because I still think he's super raw. Um, but you know, I do think there's some things like, I think his hips are pretty good for his size. I mean, I just think there's some things he can do, um, that make him intriguing, but I do, th- I, I could also make a case on the other side. Um, but he's a guy since his freshman year, like where you didn't like him. Like he's a guy that for me, I was like, ah, oh, six foot five to, you know, 200 pounds, 190, I'm, you know, 10, 900 meter. I'm just going to take a shot. So, so that's, that's some of it. How um you, because Squirrel White's still there, so you have to figure if yes. he is a slot guy, it's it's maybe not this year. I mean, does that kind of depth chart? Uh, I don't want to call it a log jam because it's just one guy. I mean, maybe, and maybe they move him to the boundary at the end of the day anyway. But I mean, th- there is some uncertainty there too. Is that were you? I mean, obviously, probably not with your, your your ranking of him. But I mean, is that something that that should be considered when talking about him too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Mark, and he's nothing to, you know, he's, he's he, you can't just throw uh, Squirrel White to the side, right? I mean, he's the guy that from early training camp last year, coaches were hyping that kid up. You know, like, this kid's dynamic, this kid's dynamic. So, like, yeah, like, that does concern me for sure. The one thing that I think is interesting with Dante Thornton versus um, Squirrel White that maybe gives him a little bit of, opportunity to stay on the field with white is that they're talking about moving him around as a chess piece with Dante Thornton. And I think squirrel white is kind of, um, he's either going to be a Z or he's going to have to play slot. Cause there's no way he's, he, he's not an X, he, you know, he can't line up on the line of scrimmage. So, um, so I would say his versatility versus white may give him a little bit of edge now full disclosure um you know i'm picking squirrel white in rounds three or four in cff drafts and i'm picking dante thornton in the ninth round so i'm i'm higher on white for production this year but um so and i i I think if thornton doesn't go this year to the nfl like um well yeah 
I don't, I think if he doesn't go, not all is lost, right? Like, I think he can still be okay, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, I like, there's, there's definitely, I think with a lot of these guys, right? Like, you can talk out of both sides of your mouth and have a pretty compelling argument. Yeah. And you have him higher than Brew McCoy as well, who is kind of, I, I've seen some like rumbling on McCoy lately, and I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I legitimately just don't, don't get it at all. Okay. Austin, here's the thing, man. Like, uh, Brew McCoy, like, I think some of it, right, is just Brew McCoy in general is, we haven't seen guys with his skill set succeed in the Josh Hypo offense, if that makes sense. Like, the closest thing to him maybe was like Marlon Williams at UCF, who was like six foot, like 220. But, like, I, I don't know. Brew McCoy to me is like a possession receiver. Yeah. And, like, those guys don't – like, that's not who succeeds in Tennessee's offense. Now, he might be the outlier that does, but, look, man, I'm going to rely on six, seven years of data versus Brew McCoy as an outlier and Chris K's opinion. <laughs> I'm I sure he'll be K, happy so to hear that. That's just my shout-out. <laughs> Marlon Williams is an interesting comp there, too, and not one – I mean, it's it's an easy one to make because they were in the same offense. I hadn't considered it at all. That's really, really uh, interesting in terms of, of role overall. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, he definitely doesn't have the speed of some of these other guys. And even talking about some of the – the younger guys they have in there, you know, like a Nathan Leacock, who's a freshman. And I don't even know if he's as fast as yeah. Caleb Webb, who came in last year. I mean, these are guys that. You know, There's they, no, no way. Yeah. yeah. Caleb Webb went in 10 9. Yeah. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of, of course, big, be a fast guys. <laughs> <sighs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> just so uh, just you know, to kind of wrap things up here, I mean, I, I wanted to get from you a player that you thought that you liked maybe and then you got into doing these rankings and maybe it's just because you had a soft spot from from cff or or something like that and then you watched them for this and you're kind of like uh i, I don't know this yeah. is going to work out so much you, you have a, a guy or two like that yeah i think there's two guys and i still i rated them high you know but i rated them high and then i watched in their, their spring games i just haven't adjusted it but i might um but I, it's kind of wait and see mode but kyle mccord is one that like, oh man, that spring game was bad, and uh, yeah, and that he's just such a statue that like you can't be bad and be a statue. You can't you can't even be like just good and be a statue, in my opinion, in the NFL anymore. So that concerns me a little bit. And then I thought I was gonna like him more. And then Ruben Owens is another one that I I I like his high school film. I mean, 10, 6, 800 meter. Like, how do you not like that? He's 200 pounds. He's got a good frame. And then, like, you watch – I watch some of the spring game, and I go, his hips are a little bit more stiff than, like, I didn't see that in the – like, I just wasn't even accounting for that. And, like, man, like, does he – like, the way that he wins, is that going to be – the way he won in high school, is he going to be able to do that in college? And, I like, some of that I just don't know yet with him it's kind of a wait and see approach of like man all that stuff it could have been one game and it's a spring game and like look everything's just off for that so i shouldn't take that too much into consideration but i do look at that and i go oh like that i only look at movement and stuff like that i'm not looking for like production but it's just like some of the movement stuff is with ruben was a little bit more stiff than 
I saw on film. And I, then I went back and watched some high school film and I'm like, oh, I do see it a little bit now, like gearing down when he, you know, on long runs. Oh, man, I was just going to ask you about the gearing down. So I'm so glad you brought this up. So, I mean, I got burned on Judkins last year because I thought he was fairly stiff coming out of high school. And then you just. Yeah stuck two middle fingers in my face and said it doesn't matter at all <laughs> yeah. so this year with Ruben Owens I was like well he's a little stiff and he struggles to gear down but Judkins just did this so maybe it's okay I'm worried that I overcorrect a little bit with Owens and I, I really really am because he had he does have some issues he's not he's not flawless he's yeah too. I, yeah yeah I mean there's some things with Ruben when you like go, when you just look at high school film you're like oh it's Texas and you're like oh wait that was 3a 4a ball in Texas which isn't great. It's not great football. And then, yeah, the gearing down, it's like, I just didn't see it at first. Cause like, I just saw, I was just looking for the 10, six, 800 meter. Um, and you know, his, yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, the gearing down thing. I look for that. I do. And I do look for that quite a bit. Cause it's one thing with Branson Robinson that I saw on his tape in high school that I was like, if this guy gears down as much as he does and in college the way he did in, in, in high school like that's not gonna work but he's i think he's figured it out in a lot he of ways he looked better than i anticipated last year i mean tcu gave up but he just freaking dragged them all over the place in that game well i you know i've watched so much film on him from this last year and it's like that auburn game like something happened in that auburn game that changed for him you look at it the film before that auburn game you look at the film after and it's like he's more decisive and it's just stuff in high school that I don't think we saw. I think Branson Branson could do whatever he wanted because he's like five foot ten, two twenty, and he and he's like quick and agile and all that. But it's like some of the stuff is not going to work in college. And I think like, yeah, I'm intrigued. This I was bummed that he got hurt a little bit because I'm intrigued to see like what does Branson Robinson look like that's just like one cut and go, and I'm just gonna like crush people like what Quinshaw Jenkins is is yeah. what Branson Robinson absolutely should be in my opinion do you I mean yeah I, I you mentioned McCord too and I don't want to go two minutes without talking him here especially because Matt Bruning loves him so much um I wish we'd gotten to see Devin Brown in that game too yes that that finger injury might end up being the worst thing that happens to Ohio State this year if because I yeah I, I'll like I have said I think Devin Brown out of high school was more talented than Kyle McCord out of high school, but that it was yeah. close enough that, you know, they probably would end up giving it to Kyle, assuming that he stayed, which still blows my mind that he sat there for that long. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I really think Brown is a little more naturally talented. So I, I, I'm really disappointed we didn't get to see him in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and again, like, I don't want to do like a revisionist history, but you go back and you look at the high school film on Kyle McCord. And I looked at a lot of it because I loved Marvin Harrison um, Jr. And, uh, you know, you start to wonder like, oh, was this guy just, I mean, obviously he's got a good arm, but it's like, was he just kind of propped up by <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. a little bit? And you go, and, and then you go into this year and it's like, well, he might be propped up by <laughs> future first round picks. Like, I don't know, but like, yeah, I, like Devin Brown, to me has the higher ceiling of the two certainly right um, uh, yeah i mean his arm is is not that mccord has like a noodle but i mean devin brown has legit like you know top five arm talent he had that throw on his high school tape yeah. where he's got a, a linebacker like hitting him in his midsection 
He doesn't get to step into the throw at all. And he throws like a 30 yard rope opposite hash to this guy and like puts it on the money. That, I, I was sold. I was like, okay, like whatever this guy's. Yeah. This guy's it's like, I don't need to see anything else. Yeah. 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 Uh, one, one, one question. Does Kyle McCord's dad watch any of your CTC podcasts or listen or. As far as I know, he listens to all of the Debbie debate episodes. Um, okay. So we, we've had him on there once and i think we're having him on again this year i mean he's a great kid i i really like him i don't think he's a bad player i just you know we're talking ohio state here i mean they've they've put how three first round quarterbacks in the past six years or whatever seven years i mean it's 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 kind of a factory is he that level of player i i don't know he he might be just yeah yeah well, I mentioned Kyle McCord's dad because if you heard of a, about anybody, if anybody says anything negative. Oh, he's Kyle in your DM so fast. <laughs> so don't uh, – I'm, I'm going to retract all my statements if uh, I might need to edit this out. <laughs> uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you uh, a couple of things after the show. Uh, he hates Felix because yeah. Felix plays the heel and he, 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 hit, he it makes fun of Kyle on the show. He freaking hates Felix so much. <laughs> Uh, but, but he's a good guy overall. He he had Matt. He took him down and he introduced Matt to actually like Patrick Mahomes and stuff because uh, McCord was training oh, with him. Cool. So um, yeah, we, we we like the McCord family overall. Good, uh, that's good awesome. people. Okay. Um, uh, the inverse of that, a guy that you thought you liked and then didn't. Did you have a guy that you didn't like and then you watched him for for this maybe and and came away a little more impressed? Yeah, one guy I'm intrigued by. Uh, well, yeah, I'll give a couple quick ones. Riley Leonard. Uh, he's a guy that I'm just intrigued by. He's more athletic, right, than I think any any of us expected. Um, the Duke quarterback, yeah. I mean, well, Daniel Jones was too, but yeah, yeah. it's 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 weird with that sentence. Yeah, and he's so big, right? He's like six foot four or something. Um, so I'm intrigued by him. I don't know if he has the arm strength to succeed in the NFL, but he's one that I want to like. Um, and so I find I, you know, but I still don't have him like rated super high. Um, and then another guy, a couple other guys, Jarquez Hunter, the guy that I'm like, man, I love his traits. I love that he's 210. Um, and then a few other guys, Malik Benson and then Tez Walker were two. Malik Benson, I think he, I thought he was just going to be like a deep threat guy. Like I, I thought it was going to be Tyler Harrell. And then watching his tape and then watching the Bama spring game. No, this guy actually runs routes. Yeah. Like he's got more, uh, more of a diverse route tree than I think he. And and his frame is pretty nice. I think he's like six one one ninety, and he's pretty wide. Like I and so I think he can add some weight. And so it's like NFL is gonna if you're six foot one one ninety ten four, and you show a modicum of success at Alabama, like you're gonna be pretty good, uh, for draft capital in the NFL. And then Tez Walker. He's another one, man. Like, you know, uh, Nate Marquise was the first one on him, and like, man, what a go ahead. That that sneaky jerk. He held off on any Devontae Walker talk last offseason and content until he literally until he was done with his last draft, and then he said, "Hey guys, go check out Devontae <laughs> Walker." We we're like, "Come on, man, come on!" But yeah, he he yeah. really was the first one. Like, I, I don't think there was anybody even close on Walker. No. No. And so, in you know, a guy that has a 40 inch vertical runs a, I mean, clearly has some speed at his size. I mean, you know, if he, <laughs> I mean, he's, he has a major downgrade in OC this year with chip yeah. uh, coming there. But if, 
if Drake May, if he can be wide receiver one for Drake May, I mean, he's going to get looks in the NFL. I think he's going to get a fair shot. And I think he's different than other G5 to P5 transfers. Like, I, like some of his traits are just otherworldly in ways that, um, you know, most G5 guys don't have. So I, I think he's one that can make the leap. And he's not that old either, um, I don't think. I think he's, you know, maybe a redshirt sophomore, maybe a redshirt junior. So, yeah, he has a year where he didn't go to school in there either, which makes it tricky. okay. He like didn't go. go to school for oh. a year, and then he went to community college, but it was canceled because of COVID. So then he went to Kent State. So it's a very odd path for him. But I mean, the the traits. Okay. Are, 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 I mean, do you think he leads UNC in receiving this year? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's any question in that. I think Drake May is going to make that dude a lot of money. <laughs> is CFF wide receiver one overall in his range of outcomes? Yeah, I mean, I know they're not going to have a, a great running game this year. So I think Drake May is going to have to play Superman again. So I, I think that's in his range of outcomes for sure. You know, because I mean, who, I mean, Nate McCollum, man, he's good, but Kobe, Kobe Pesor, he's good. But I mean, I don't know if there's like major NFL talent on in that wide receiver core quite the way that, you know, there is with Walker, in my opinion. All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to rebrand you on Twitter to at Debbie guys after this, uh, this conversation. Oh, I love this. This was great. Now you can at uh, Josh Chevalier. You can find Chevalier. I fucked it up. That's okay. There was my one <laughs> for You're, the show too. The one yeah. So there we go. <laughs> PG 13, uh, Josh Chevalier at CFF guys on Twitter. You can find his new Debbie rankings over at fantasypoints.com. Josh, thank you so much for giving me your time here for hopping on tonight yeah. for covering for Colin, who just, you know, disappears to get married <laughs> on a whim. Um, Unbelievable. So I, I, I couldn't believe it either. There's no commitment from this guy. Um, but yeah, Josh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I really just love yeah. to talk to you any, any chance I get to do that. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks Austin.